bum bum bottom 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 bum
And that's when you realize just like how pure and wonderful life should be. And there's no shame in renting two rooms and only getting one. Yeah. No shame. <laughs> Uh, another great benefit of going to Minnesota was, you know, we got to travel with your parents. We were on the same flight. We rented the same car. Uh, Leo and Dottie got some serious Brad and Lisa FaceTime. Yeah. And when you get serious Brad and Lisa FaceTime, that means we're going to take you to a comic book store. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked that, like, my parents seemed into it. They wanted to see you in a comic book store. Well, when we landed, as we do whenever we travel, I ask Siri, hey, where's the nearest comic book store? And Siri tells us. Now, sometimes when you go to the boonies, uh, you know, like when you go down to the Outer Banks we or We landed wherever, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is not the boonies. Yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, like, I, you know, for this guy, I was like, Minneapolis. The Midwest. The Midwest. That's the boonies. <laughs> There was seven comic book stores to choose from. Yeah. And I mentioned that on the car ride down from Minneapolis to Hugo. And your dad said, well, maybe we can do that on Wednesday. And I was like, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. But then on Wednesday, he had built it into his head that we were going to a comic book store. And we walked around dad uh, with dad at the Mall of America. Yeah. He doesn't go anywhere he doesn't actually want to go. Uh, th- yes, that's true. <laughs> he does not. Uh, so he suggested, let's go to a comic book store. We found... One, we drove there, and it was out of business, it turns yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, recently out of business. Sad. But then your dad was like, that's okay. Find the next one. Oh and it was 10 minutes away. And it was 10 minutes away, and we went to Comic Book College in Minneapolis, and that was a really rad store. It was full of cool people who were um, already in full-on comic book conversation. Yes. Which is always the best background music to walking around and flipping through yes. floppies. It was crowded. It was a Wednesday. It was it's a large store, a long store. It actually has the shape of a long box. Oh, it goes yeah. deep, right? Yeah. And it was filled with people. And your dad attached himself to my hip, and I gave him the tour of a store I had never been in before. These are the back issues. These are the new releases. These are the 50% off trades. And your mom wanted to know where all the Casper comics yeah, were. Yeah, my mom was into the more like cartoony comics yeah, as a kid, Archie and Casper. We and found those for her and she yeah, looked she at thrilled. those. And your dad wanted to make sure that everybody in that comic book store knew about comic book couples counseling. <laughs> and he made me go back to the car and get a stack of business cards, yeah. which I always travel with. And I brought them to the shop and they put them on their little free table. Yeah, nobody could accuse my dad of not being supportive. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't completely understand what we're into, but he wants to promote it. I, I don't know, like, it was like pure bliss. I loved it. I loved it. It was a little strange, but I loved it. Yeah, uh, he also uh, went up and asked the guy if they had Silver Surfer 200, because that's the one that I'm in, and he told her that, told him that, like, that's the one that she's in. Yeah, first time listeners, Lisa appears in her Don Greenwood cosplay. Uh, we took a photo of her with a Silver Surfer cosplayer uh, at San Diego Comic-Con several years ago, and that photo was selected to be in issue 200. Yeah. And it starts off the letter column of that really fabulous issue. It's wild, and, and my dad wanted everybody who worked in that comic book I mean, to the, know. the idea that our names, Brad and Lisa Gullickson, because I took the photo and I got credit, yep. appear in Silver Surfer number 200 is like a lifetime highlight. Oh, it's wild. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but... We're, we're not here to talk about how wonderful Minneapolis was and how great funerals are. Though, if you yes. are a listener and you're in Minneapolis and you're near Comic Book College, 
pick up one of our cards and take a photo with it, we'll send you a little gifty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, please do. Also, uh, you can go to Tavern on the Main, the restaurant in Hugo, and I I pinned up some oh, yeah. of our cards there, too. <laughs> take a picture of that. that. I mean, I had, what did I have? Oh, I had walleye tacos. Yeah, they were okay. Did. I have looked. We do have listeners in Minnesota. No way. We do. We do. What uh, if it's my relatives? Probably. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi, cousins. So Lisa and I celebrate Christmas, mostly because that's how we were raised. I love Christmas. Yeah, and we dig the tunes associated with it. Yeah, we do. Uh, Neil Diamond Xmas album is the best, or maybe Kylie Christmas. I was raised on the Barbara Streisand Christmas album when she sings Jingle Bells super fast. Oh, yeah? And we laugh and laugh. Oh, and um, I also love uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, well, Muppets Christmas Carol is the it's best the definitive Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. That's not a doubt. Like, Michael Caine's Scrooge is the best Scrooge. Uh, I love Bill Murray in Scrooged, but Michael Caine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're end-of-the-year people, right? Uh, if you follow um, our other podcast, In the Mouth of Dorkness, we're gearing up for our annual Dorkies in which we celebrate our favorite films from 2019. So we thought we should do the same thing here but in the realm of comic books. Look, best of lists are tricky things, and I do not consider them objective in any way. Every best of list comes from a specific point of view, and I don't even like the term best of. But when I said we should title this episode oh, no. our favorites, Brad's like, that doesn't get the clicks. <laughs> you, we gotta get those clicks. <laughs> well, yeah. so yeah, we, we lure you in with the title Best Comics of 2019 only to tell you that I like to actually consider it my favorite comics of 2019 or our favorite comics of 2019, right? Um, and the truth is, Lisa and I have not read nearly enough comics from this year. We've read a lot, but a lot of books have slipped through our fingers. Neither of us have read Doomsday Clock. Nope. So spoilers, that's not going to appear in any of our awards. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. All of that is to say, if you notice any glaring omissions, it's not because we rejected those things. It could very well be that we missed those things, and please tweet at us, point them out to us. Yeah, a few days ago, we actually put out a call to our Twitter followers asking them for their favorite comics of the year, and we got a bevy of responses. Uh, a few of them will even show up in our awards this episode, but mostly we were pointed to a ton of comics that we still need to read, and that's always the best part of these kinds of lists, right? They're an opportunity to share your greatest joys with other passionate folks. For example, at Supercilious Comics tweeted at us that Fellhounds, Do You Believe in an Afterlife, was definitely one of the best this year. And that tweet caught the attention of Fellhound herself, and she was gracious enough to send us a digital copy of her zine format short story of comics and illustrated prose. The basic premise of which is a tale of two queer soldiers who fall in love amidst a robot apocalypse in the year 2045. And I got to say, no BS here, but I kind of loved it. It was so sweet. It was like a a uh, dystopian work romance. Yeah, and the art is beautiful. I really like the paneling. Uh, and I was taken aback by, but then fell kind of madly in love with the dialogue 
cards yeah. that kind of operated like a silent film. And that just let the art speak for itself in a way that a lot of comics do not. Well, and then it when it transitioned into prose, it felt very natural. Like, it, it felt like a comic book. It is a comic, but it also felt like something else. And yeah. it, was, it was really refreshing, really beautiful, sweet. And, you know, uh, there's a little Billy Joel in there. Oh, I love a sweet Billy Joel and riff. I like when a couple, you know, connects over a pop culture icon like that. And if my silence made you leave, then that would be my worst mistake. But unlike the comic, I can't do a call and response to Lisa's Billy Joel because lyrics have never been something that I've been able to memorize. Uh, so all of that is to say I am thankful to Supercilious Comics for let us, letting us know about this zine, and I am even more thankful. You pronounce it zine? Is it zine? Yeah, well, because I don't say magazine. Well, you know, I pronounce words in many different ways. <laughs> don't step on my gratitude to at Supercilious Comics and at Fellhound. <laughs> For bringing this lovely story to our attention. And if you have a story like that and you want to send it our way, please do. Our email is cbccpodcast at gmail.com. We want to read your comics. Yeah, we do. Now, if you want to get yourself a copy of Do You Believe in an Afterlife? You can do so by visiting gumroad.com backslash fellhound, all one word, F-E-L-L-H-O-U-N-D. It's like four Canadian dollars. And so it goes, and so it goes. I'm not warmed up. And you're the only one who knows. Roland was a warrior. (laughs) This is the one song you're the Midnight Sun with a Thompson gun for hire. And fighting to be done. Let's get to the chorus. <gasps> Roland, the headless Thompson gunner, Norway's bravest son. You can still see his headless body stocking through the night in the muzzle flash of Roland's Thompson gun. Yeah, that's the only song it's, I know. It's not Billy Joel, though. No, it's Warren Zevon, <laughs> who is way cooler than Billy Joel. <laughs> this episode's wild. But that all of that is to say that lists are great for sharing love and sparking conversation, but it's all subjective, and we try not to speak from a voice of total authoritarianism. Uh, so if we miss a comic you loved or mention one you hated, please let us know, but don't be mean about it. Uh, These selections are strictly coming from the hearts of Brad and Lisa. It's not a show if we don't walk you through the concession stand. Concessions (laughs) have been made, um, replaced. Every time we say best with our favorite. (laughs) Here we go. These are the several categories we chose to focus on. Best free comic book day issue, best one shot, best single issue, best comic book TV series, best comic book movie, best ongoing series, best graphic novel, best collected comic. How did we come up with these categories? Well, we thought about what we really enjoyed this year and then came up with the category so we could talk about them. It's a completely backwards way of doing a list. We have both agreed on these winners. There are no Academy shenanigans. <laughs> these, uh, everybody's in consensus yes. about these winners. Yes, 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 yes. So up first, 
best free comic book day issue. Lisa and I love free comic book day, as I'm sure all of you listeners do. It's like nerd Halloween. You just show up places and you're like, give me treats. Give me treats. Now, of course, whenever we go to the comic book store for free comic book day, we we get the the, the free stuff. And we also spend money we drop, at that local business. We drop a lot of green on free comic book day. Yeah, so don't just be the moocher who, like, snags up all the goodies. Unless you're broke. Broke people can snag goodies. Broke people can snag goodies. But if you can afford to patronage, patronage, right? Sure. Hey, don't mock my speak. I speak well. You just look so cute on a soapbox. <laughs> uh, so... Best free comic book day issue. I think it is really hard to put together a great free comic book day selection. Right, because the intention is somebody's going to pick up the issue for the first time and go like, I need to read all of this now. Right, and it is a opportunity on the creator to reel in new voices, but still satiate the people who are already a fan of your comic if it's an ongoing series, right? And you know, all of the best art is created to please everyone. Oh, oh gosh, Lisa. We don't we don't have time to talk about that on Star Wars Weekend. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> the reality is also that a free comic book day usually doesn't have the page space that a normal comic has either. So it's a get in and get out situation. My favorite, like what I consider, and it's fairly recent, but like a primo example of a free comic book day issue is that issue of Street Angel. Yeah, Street Angel's Dog by Jim Rugg. So good. That came out a couple years ago, and that remains my all-time favorite free comic book day issue. It gives you a real flavor of the series. It is a self-contained story, and it tells you so much about the main character. Yeah, and Rugg's art is so awesome. amazing in that so issue. So awesome. Uh, it is the first storyline that kicks off his new trade paperback uh, that Image Comics has just put out. Just devoured it. Yeah. Awesome. 1999. Yeah. That that should be in That's your That's practically free. Uh, Patronage. Yes. And for this year's selection, we are also picking a dog-related comic book. Oh, my God. I just put that together. That is so funny. <laughs> we have chosen as the best free comic book day issue of 2019 – Grumble versus The Goon. Yes. Written by Eric Powell and Rafer Roberts with art by Mike Norton and Eric Powell from Albatross uh, Books. I love The Goon. I've always loved The yeah, Goon. Yeah, you introduced me to The Goon. I did. We became Goon obsessives together. We actually own original Eric Powell Goon comic art. That's right. Uh, displayed proudly. Yes, displayed proudly. But for whatever reason, both of us fell away from that comic, and we haven't read that comic in a long time. There's a lot of stuff to read. There's a lot of stuff to read. Eric Powell's publishing schedule also fluctuated quite a bit over the last few years. He dwindled a little bit with the title, and so I fell away. And yeah, but Free Comic Book Day brings us back to The Goon. And introduces us to the characters of the Grumble comic book. Kayla and Eddie, who are on this road trip where they're dimension hopping, and suddenly they are in the world of the goon. 
and it's a mashup book. And the goon has mashed up with many characters in the past. One of my favorites being when he teamed up with Hellboy yeah. to fight uh, Zeppelins being driven by octopi. Great issue of a comic book as well. Yeah. And this 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 title is just a lot of fun, and it's a great reminder of why I fell in love with the goon world in the first place. And I thought the Grumble stuff was very, very cute. What I loved about this comic is that it really is a true crossover where you get to see the art of Mike Norton cross over into the art of Eric Powell, and you get to see them juxtaposed yeah. against each other. They're like two sides of like a really cartoony coin, yeah, but yeah. they're still but very different. Very distinct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's our selection for the best free comic book day issue of 2019. I'm Really looking forward to 2020 because Tom Scioli is bringing us a sneak peek at his Jack Kirby memoir. So I love this. It wouldn't be a memoir. I guess a, bi- a biography. Right. And and the art, he's doing a very like cartoony caricature of Kirby. I think it's going to be something truly special. Yeah, I've seen that bouncing around Twitter and it warms, warms my cockles. Yeah, if you're not listening my Christmas to cartoonist kayfabe, Please do so. There's a really wonderful interview between Ed Pisker and Tom Scioli about this project. And it offered some tidbits about Kirby that I didn't know. And there's a great Stan Lee story in that interview as well. Oh, I got to listen to that. Next up is our best one shot of 2019. I feel I feel like we need like a drum roll or something. <laughs> that sounds like an old jalopy. <laughs> a little jalopy. How about? No, no. That's artillery fire. Oh. Uh, what, what about this? That sounds like frogs mating. <laughs> it's a dolphin. Uh, we could have a soundboard. <laughs> no, that, that definitely doesn't work. We could have a soundboard and actually put in a drum roll, but uh, we won't. We won't. No. What were we talking about? Oh, yes. Best one shot of 2019. It is most definitely Sobek by James Stoko. It's like watching a Ray Harryhausen movie come to life. Yes. But in a comic. Yes, yes. So good. Stoko is probably most famous for Wonton Soup, uh, Orc Stain, Sullivan Sluggers, all great comics, but I first fell madly in love with his work only a few years ago when he wrote and illustrated the single greatest Godzilla comic of all time, Half Century War. Please, if you have not read this book and you like Godzilla in even the slightest bit, you must read Half Century War. It's an all-time classic comic. Sobek is also, uh, maybe by design, also about a gigantic lizard. That's right. He draws great lizards. He does. <laughs> um, Sobek is about this giant crocodile god who is awoken from his muddy riverbed of the Nile to do some serious god business. It's not just eating virgins all day. Ooh, that Al- sounds dirty. Although there's some of that, <laughs> There too, is some so. of that, and that is fun. Um, it's God versus God, Sobek versus Set, and it gets real. And it also deals with the worshipers of both parties, too. I love the tone of this comic, yeah. because even though the art is cartoon style, it's extremely vibrant and hyper-detailed and kind of... I hate to use the word juxtaposition all of the time, but <laughs> the dialogue is extremely casual. Yes, It's yes, very yes. modern. Yeah. And what I love about it is how Sobek 
does not care about his worshipers at all. No. And he is a lazy riverbed crocodile who is worshipped like a god, but cares not about the worshipers at all, really, until he maybe does. Mm-hmm. It's such a good comic book, and I just don't think enough people were discussing it this year. You know, Stoko, he comes out, he does Half Century War, he did Aliens Dead Orbit. They get a lot of traction because of the IP that they're connected to, and he publishes this one shot. It's brief. It's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But it is gorgeous and hilarious and mean and weird. It's the kind of thing you read and you immediately want to pass on to a friend. And you want to own every page of the art and you'll never be able to afford it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have not read Sobek, you can still get a copy pretty cheaply online. But not our copy because we're keeping it forever. Our copy forever. I'd love a Mondo print done by James Stokoe. Oh, yeah. That'd be really gnarly. Moving on to our next award, though, one that I'm really excited about, Best Single Issue of the Year. Uh, Many, many choices here. Very hard to narrow it down to just one great single issue comic. But I think it's got to be only one thing. Lisa, give me one of your dolphin drum rolls. Is that a dolphin? Uh, It still sounds like a frog. Yeah. I feel like they click, they click, and then they, ah, 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 that's a horse. All right, and that is your drum roll. Our best single issue 2019 is House of X number two, The Many Lives of Moira X, written by Jonathan Hickman and illustrated by Pepe Larraz. When I read this comic, I was so shocked and delighted that my eyeballs nearly rolled out of my head. And here's the thing. If you have not read any of House of X, you need to stop right now. Go read the entire thing. It's all available to you. House of X, Powers of 10, one massive hardcover. The list price is $60, but you can get it for 40 bucks. It's worth it. Blind buy. Please do so. Then come back to what we're about to say, because we are going to offer some severe spoilers for the X-Men universe. I've already emotionally spoiled it by saying that it is surprising. It is surprising. But yeah. All right. Like we were reading House of X and Powers of Ten together. Like we bought our own issues. Yeah. And we would read them simultaneously. And we read the first issue of House of X and the first issue of Powers of Ten. We are like, yeah, these are cool. Jonathan Hickman is a great writer. We're both massive East of West fans. His Avengers run is my all-time favorite Avengers run. But we weren't really blown away by the first two issues of the, either The series. first two issues are wonderful. They're great. They do feel a little bit like you're doing math. I mean, they're dense as hell. They're dense as hell. And his comics are always dense as hell. But then we get to House of X number two, and it is mind-blowing, and it feels significant. I'm just going to say it. May I just say it? Just do it. Do it. This is the issue that elevates the character of Moira McTaggart from not just being the scientist, girlfriend, mutant, ally, normie, like ourselves, but an actual time-traveling, regenerating mutant who collects over the course of her lives the information that can overthrow Nimrod and change the course of mutant kind as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's brilliant and earth shattering to longtime readers, but also clearly uh, able to lure in new readers. Because what it does is it takes all of these threads of existing X-Men comics and brings them together into one story. That is Jonathan Hickman's true gift, and is to look at the scope of yeah, comics yeah, and then sure. find a story in there. Like, he, he, he doesn't have to start from scratch. And on top of that, he gets rid of the same narrative routine that's been happening between Professor X and yeah. Magneto, right? It's not the same tired conversation of passive resistance versus violent resistance versus revolution. Well, it changes the way that we look at Professor X yeah, forever. Big time. She becomes one of the masterminds in one issue. Right. And going forward from that series, it was it was essential reading. But it was like one of those things where like, I have to be at the comic book store on that Wednesday when the store opens. I need to read it now. And if I can't get to the comic book store, I'm downloading the digital because I have to read it on Wednesday because I cannot let Twitter ruin <laughs> this plot for me. It was so delicious. And if we're talking about all the great pop culture conversations that happened over 2019, you know, we had the uh, culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We had... Uh, Rise of Skywalker this weekend. Um, so many like big, big topics, right? House of X, Powers of Ten. This was the event of the year for me. Yeah, and it all comes down to this issue. And the art's gorgeous. Oh, it's crazy gorgeous. It just like as you read it, you feel cool. Yes, and I was very glad that. Uh, Pepe Larraz was able to stay on this series for the entire run, and oh, R.B. Yeah. Silva was able to stay on a Powers of Ten for that entire run. Really well executed, really well edited and thought out and marketed, and I, you know, I, I miss these types of events. Yeah, right? I really felt like I was part of something special reading these comics. Yeah, and it's still going on. Dawn of X has happened. We've got the new solo series in a brand new universe, kind of, and uh, it's 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 really good it's not as good as the shock of house of x2 <laughs> but i'm i'm loving x-men again which is something i have not said since mm, i was gonna say grant morrison but probably joss whedon and yeah. astonishing x-men right yeah. uh of course there's been fun here and there i don't want to like take a huge dump on what guys like uh matthew rosenberg and matt fraction have done with the characters but there's just nothing been like hickman in quite a while right when we were at San Diego Comic-Con this year, we were able to attend that panel with Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, where he got the Ink Pot Award. He did. And I find myself thinking about that that particular panel a lot. It was a, a great lot. panel. And one of the things he he talked about was, oh, it, it had to do with Endgame mm -hmm. and getting to see his... Oh, right, the Black Order. Getting to see the Black Order on screen. And he said that, like... He doesn't ever want to change his comics, or he he refuses to change his comics to fit into the movie universe, the MCU. We do see that happen a lot, where Star-Lord has a cool mask in the movie, and then all of a sudden he's wearing that mask in the comics. Sure. It's, it's just different. Um, but Hickman says that he 
is not at all influenced by the MCU. He is what influences. And what comic book writers should be doing is influencing the films. Right. They shouldn't be thinking about the films at all. Right. Another thing he talked about that I think about a lot is he is a creator who knows what is unique about himself. And um, I can't remember what the, the listener question was, but... Like, he, he said, like, I would love to write an intimate character piece between two obscure X-Men that is a one-shot. But my unique gift is coming up with these huge events. Yeah, he's a big idea guy. And so that's what he finds himself doing again and again. And, I, and as an artist, like, that inspires me. Like, I have to find, well... I would love to do what everybody else is doing, but I have a unique gift. Now I just have to figure out what that unique gift is. Sure. What if it's comic book couples counseling? I think it's, yes, I think it is. But Hickman certainly delivers on a statement like that, right? When you hear an artist say something like that, you go like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Let's see what you got. But then he delivers House of X and Powers of Ten. And yeah, okay, he knows what he's talking about. Especially because he doesn't want to be doing the panel at all. No. (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's like, are we done here? Like halfway through? Like nobody has any questions, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, friend. We all have questions. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to see you. Oh, that was, if I could, if I could award a panel of the year, that was my favorite panel of the year. Let's do it. Panel of the year. Jonathan Jonathan Hickman. Hickman. I, I think I have it on, saved on my phone. I think you do. You're not supposed to record those, Lisa. You're such a it's thief. Just for me. Our next category goes to best comic book TV series. Drum there, roll. Drum. We don't even no. need a drum roll. This is like the most obvious thing ever. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> comic book television is really uh, rolling out some real garbage. There, there's been some duds. Now, I... I'm sure there's some good stuff out there. A lot of people seem pretty excited about Crisis of Infinite Earths. Neither of us have watched it. Nope. Uh, a lot of love out there for Doom Patrol on the DC Universe streaming service. We don't have that one. We don't. Not but we, yet. But we do have uh-huh. Home Box Office. HBO. Yes, that's right. Our diamond in the rough. Yes. Is Watchmen. This is like not just my favorite comic book TV series. This is my favorite TV series of 2019. Yeah, I mean, well, not only favorite TV series of 2019, if I couldn't get over the fact that it is segmented into episodes and yes, plays on a television set, I would go like, this is my favorite movie of 2019. This is my favorite media of 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, we've already said that's House of X, Powers of 10. Don't steamroll my superlatives. <laughs> uh Series overseen by Damon Lindelof and based on the famous graphic novel of the same name by Dave Gibbons and the creator who shall not be named. A.K.A. Miracle Man's the original writer, A.K.A. Alan Moore. (laughs) I love that he's Voldemorted himself. Yeah, and like at the start of this year, when I heard that Lindelof was doing a Watchmen sequel series, I thought, well, that's silly and impossible. And I like Lost. I like The Leftovers. I've only seen the pilot. Um, (laughs) But uh, no way this guy can pull off a Watchmen sequel. I think part of it is we really did enjoy the Watchmen film that came out. When did that come out? Uh, 2009. Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah. We liked that movie, but that movie made this decision like, 
giant squids, like, society is not going to accept giant squids, so film and television will never present giant squids. And Damon Lindelof said nay. Well, not only that, like, this is why Watchmen, the TV series, works so well. It's it's talking about stuff that was not on the mind of the original graphic novel. You know, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did deliver something incredibly political and was speaking to the moment. You know, Ronald Reagan's America, Margaret Thatcher's Great Britain. And Lindelof, as the sequel goes, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make something political and I'm going to have it talk about what's going on today. And I'm going to talk about the systemic racism that is happening in this country since its birth. And it opens with the massacre of Black Wall Street in Tulsa. And that is a hell of a promise. You know, you cannot fail that story. You cannot fail that history as a creator. And when we were watching that pilot, I was like, this is great storytelling and it's really exciting and not at all what I thought Watchmen was going to be. I I hope you can deliver on this, this flashback. And it took a few episodes, but... By the end of the series, they really do, and they have something deeply passionate to say about race in America. Well, clearly, Damon Lindelof has brought together a really extraordinary team. Yeah, his writer's room. Yeah, His and writer's room, the he cast. Gi- he gives a ton of credit to his writer's room and his directors. He is not the type of showrunner who goes like, I did this. Right. You know, he's happily spreading the love of why this show is working. And if you want a little inside look into what went down to make this show work as well as it does, you should listen to the three episodes of the official Watchmen podcast where he is interviewed and he just unloads how this show happened. And it's really informative. It feels like extraordinary teamwork. Yeah. Like this would, this a story of this magnitude would be impossible from the mind of one man. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of points of view to tell the story of race in America, and it is certainly not going to come from one white guy. And Damon Lindelof was scared. He was scared to present this story. But Watchmen was about presenting the dystopian-ness of the Reagan era. And here we find ourselves once again in a dystopian present. And it's art's responsibility to reflect it back to us. And I think that- The scream. Yeah. I think that Watchmen does that in such a resonant and extraordinary way. Every single episode- builds upon and exalts the previous episode. Like, as soon as we finished the series, I was like, okay, let's watch it again. I'm ready. Yeah, we're going to do that. And we haven't even mentioned it, but the cast is phenomenal. Regina King. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She can run my universe anytime. She has to navigate so many different turns, right, of the narrative. And she has to sell these crazy peaks and valleys to her emotional experience through time, you know, and through other people's memories. Making impossible things relatable. Yeah, she's so great in it. And of course, you know, Tim Blake Nelson is great and Gene Smart's great and Don Johnson's great. 
Everyone is phenomenal in this show. Hong Chow. Hong Chow is awesome. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh. Ozymandias. Oh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. Oh, dude. What a scamp. Love that guy. <laughs> Nobody looks as good in a cape. Just give yeah. him a cape. Yeah. Full-time cape. When he finally got the domino mask on, <laughs> phenomenal. 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 I want all of their action figures and their real figures in my bed. <laughs> That brings us to best comic book movie of 2019. I know you're all going, well, this is obvious too, just like Watchmen. It's got to be Hellboy 2019. We love that movie. We do love that movie, but I'm afraid it's not our number one pick. Our number one comic book movie of the year goes to Avengers Endgame. Duh. Yeah. We're in the bag with the MCU. Uh, I love all of their films to one degree or another. Yes, even The Incredible Hulk. Yes, even Thor The Dark World. And what's so astonishing about Avengers Endgame is how it takes those films and makes them relevant. Like, though, it, it was worth the time going through The Dark World so we could have the moment in Avengers Endgame between Thor and his mother. I really liked Thor The Dark World. I don't know why you have to rain on my parade. I, I said that I liked it. I like it too. But the consensus is, is that it's garbage. What I'm trying to convey to our listeners is that we love every Marvel movie, but even if that's the case, that doesn't negate the fact of what a great film Avengers Endgame is. It's, Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I follow you. <laughs> okay, good. I follow you, yeah. I can't talk about the MCU without talking about scaffolding. Like, Marvel... MCU has spent so much time building character, building yeah. narrative so that each film is supported by the last film. Yeah. Yeah. So even if there are elements that are not as wonderful as others, they are all equally valid and equally respected by the story. And Avengers Endgame would not work on an individual who has not seen every previous film, or at least not seen a majority of the previous entries of the MCU, right? It's and, it's fan service, and guess what? We're fans. We love it. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's not just fan service. Like, it is building blocks. The MCU recreates the experience of Marvel comic books and how when you pick up a miniseries starring the Scarlet Spider, that's going to pay off in an Infinity War comic, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's a, what's great it's about it. It's a reward. It's, it, a, re it's, it's a, reward. a reward for watching all but, of the previous films and loving them. But to go to your point about scaffolding, right? It's all about the scaffolding around character. Right. And what we have seen over the course of these 22 movies or 24 movies, or I don't even know how many at the moment, you have seen this struggle that they've all been having with themselves. They are all kind of failing in tiny ways and big ways. They're falling down. They're getting up. They're striving through their humanity. And that's the key to Marvel characters. That's the key to the best characters, period. And that's what this, the MCU celebrates. Yeah, like... One criticism that I hear again and again is the Marvel villain problem. And it's because the villains have been de-emphasized so that the characters can explore the villains within themselves. Yeah, and watching sure. And watching their um, 
failures play out. Thankfully, I'll say in the last several years, the villains have also been pretty darn good. Yeah. Thanos is great. Thanos is wonderful. (laughs) So Avengers Endgame is our number one movie of 2019. Hellboy 2019 is our number two movie. That's right. Yeah. A lot of people called it a number two movie. Yeah. Well, they're mean and they don't get it. (laughs) Look, Hellboy, uh, the Neil Marshall film, is a terrible adaptation of Mike Mignola's tone. Great film, though. Great film. It's Super incredibly fun. crass. And it gets more right about the comic in a lot of ways than the Guillermo del Toro films do. I'm sorry. It's true. There's some awesome mythology that this film mines where del Toro kind of just does his own thing. Yeah. You know, I like those del Toro movies, too. Me, too. All right. Hellboy, that's our number two. Avengers Endgame, that's our number one. Where are we going next, Lisa? We're going next to the best ongoing series of 2019, and we picked Immortal Hulk, written by Al Ewing and mostly illustrated by Joe Bennett, with the usual batch of fill-in artists. This series continues the genius that it started in 2018 by taking the Hulk to realms he's never traveled before. Under Ewing's direction, Bruce Banner is not just some puny human on the verge of exploding into a big green rage monster. Ewing uses Hulk to explore the philosophical concepts of the character as much as the science fiction and horror aspects. And one of my favorite memories of 2018 was handing the first volume of Immortal Hulk to our buddy Darren at the Disco Dork on Twitter, our co-host of In the Mouth of Darkness, who is a massive Hulk maniac. And I gave him that comic in 2018. He goes, not my Hulk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He did not like it at all. And I can understand it because it really does push against a lot of the old tropes of the character. But man, does it deliver on the weird and wild. Well, that's the beauty of comics, right? Like, if you don't like Immortal Hulk, you don't have to, like, you just go like, well, not not canon to me. Yeah, yeah, and you, you still have all the comics that you love. Immortal Hulk, in a lot of ways, is doing what House of X and Powers of Ten are doing with the X Men. It's trying to create a whole new dynamic for the characters and the supporting characters. And I feel like it is delivering in folds. You know, currently in the series, Hulk is going up against the Roxon Corporation and that crazy Minotaur CEO. And, you know, Jason Aaron used that character in Thor really well. I had a lot of fun with uh, Agger. I think it's Agger, A-G-G-E-R. But with Ewing, Ewing's like, I'm going to give you the best damn version of Donald Trump you've ever seen. (laughs) And he's a Minotaur maniac. And... He has also got a lot to say about the state of our country right now, and it is happening in this, not Jekyll and Hyde comic, but in this apocalyptic dive inward into the soul of Bruce Banner so that it exposes this grand cosmic design. And does that sound like BS? It kind of is, but he's selling it. It's working. (laughs) And I am so excited to see where Ewing takes the breaker of worlds in 2020. And I'm hopeful when all is said and done on his run, I'll be able to give the whole thing back to Darren and go, give this another shot. It's not your Hulk, but it is something magical. Good luck with that. Good luck with that, Brad. (laughs) Yeah, you know Darren. You know Darren. Uh, All right. On to the final two major 
categories, the ones I'm the most excited about. Up first is Best Graphic Novel of 2019. This one means a lot to us, guys. We've covered it here on the podcast. It was one of our earliest episodes. We're talking about Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganeshaw from First Second Books. Lisa, this is one of your most treasured comics of recent memory. To me, I, when I read this comic book, I was like, <gasps> was this written for me? Like, it's about romance. It's a comic. It's got baking in it. Like, <laughs> it's such a beautiful story. It's a YA romance comic, and it has it has all of the warm fuzzies that are associated with that genre, but it's really about figuring out the life that will make you most happy versus the life that you think will make you the most cool to yeah, your dumb 17-year-old uh-huh. <laughs> self. And I think that's a lesson that is invaluable. Invaluable. If I had followed the dreams that I had made for myself when I was 17, I would be a broken person. Yeah. I got to say, I felt a little weird at first by selecting Bloom as our best graphic novel of 2019 because in full disclosure, we both know Kevin. In fact, I work for Kevin. <laughs> that uh, is true. Uh, in a, on occasion, not full time, but on occasion, I work for Kevin. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his as a person. And I'm a big fan of him as a comic book writer. He's the co-creator of Zodiac Star Force with Savannah's sister, Paulina. That's a great comic. You should go seek that out. But here's the thing. Like, I was looking forward to Bloom, and I knew Bloom was going to be good because I like what Kevin had shown me before. But when he delivered Bloom, when we finally got a hand, uh, our hands on Bloom, I mean, it's... Like you said, it's like it's everything that we love about comics. I I devoured it. I just read it all of the way through, and I was taking pictures of it and posting it on my Facebook. Yep. And I was just head over heels. And, it, like, I do love the story of Ari. It starts with him thinking he wants to leave the family business and go live with his friends in a house like the monkeys and be part of a band. Um, But his family knows, and the cute new kid in town can clearly see that, like, that's not actually, that's not something he's actually suited to. But, and I love that main story, but I also love all of the little micro stories that are happening in these panels. Yeah. This still is the comic, like, so... Those of you who follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like my process for preparing for this episode is I put a tabby on each panel that I want to talk about. And Bloom is still the volume that got the most little tabbies because every panel was telling two or three other stories than Ari's story. Yeah, yeah. Uh Lisa, do you remember the first time we went to visit Kevin after you it, had read this book? It was so <laughs> weird because he went from – because I had read Zodiac Star Force and I liked it a lot. But I went from being like a friend and a fan of his work to like 
a like a fangirl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did not know what to say. <laughs> I did not know what to say because I was so nerdy about this book. Well, a lot of people besides us have fallen for Bloom. It's popping up on a ton of best of comics lists. And I'm just thrilled. I can't wait to see what he does next. I can't wait to see what Savannah does next. There's rumors of a sequel. I've, you know, I'm a fangirl. Feel weird about sequels. Yeah. Don't yeah. screw it up. <laughs> Don't screw it up. Don't, Don't screw, screw it up. up. We'll see what happens in the future. Uh, with What I don't want to happen is for them to break up. Of course. And that's that's what always happens in sequel relationship comics and stories. Then and all of a sudden they're on the rocks. It's like, so annoying. Sweetheart, we spent an entire volume getting these two cute boys together. I just want to see them kiss. Please and thank you. Yeah. And now we smoothly transition <laughs> to the top prize. This is why we put our, our ball gowns on, baby. Oh, yes. Um, our number one best collected comic, according to Comic Book Couples Counseling. <laughs> and no other. Concessions made. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Brad? It is Murder Falcon. Yes. Issues one through eight. Written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson, colored by Mike Spicer, and lettered by Russ Wooten. This comic book was... Such a surprise to me. You yeah. read it first. Yeah. I mean, I read it because it was called Murder Falcon. It's about the power of rock and roll and how when you shred guitar right, a dude who looks like a falcon with a metal arm comes from another dimension to kick ass and destroy monsters. And none of that interested me. Yeah, I know. Metal <laughs> is like one of those things I just straight up don't relate to and I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, you just heard me sing a whole bunch of Billy And Joel. I had no intention of sharing this trade paperback with you when it was published earlier this year. And we were on vacation with your parents in the Outer Banks. And I read it and I said, oh my God, this comic that's called Murder Falcon is actually the greatest Lisa comic ever. It was so beautiful. Before we started recording this particular segment, Brad, is, Brad and I were like, we can't spoil anything no, in this we comic. Don't. We do not want to rob anybody. We just screwed a bunch of people over with House of X and Powers of X, but uh, <laughs> Murder Falcon, we will not spoil because um, because it's such an extraordinary piece of work. And, and, and it trickles out, right? When you're reading it, it does start off as this uh, apocalyptic war with monsters using the power of rock. Uh, but there is an emotional core to this story that is truly beautiful. And, and very personal. Very personal. Um, and as it reveals itself, there are many surprises to that relationship. Yeah. And one day I really want to cover Murder Falcon on a full episode of Comic Book Couples Counseling. I think we could do it. That would be awesome. Yeah. I, that I, would be awesome. When I read this, like, because we were on vacation, we were surrounded by all of my nieces and nephews. And um, one of my nieces is like, what are you reading? Why don't you read it to me? And I'm like, well, I'm reading Murder <laughs> Falcon. And I was very near the end. So I ended up reading the end of this comic book to my niece and I got choked up. Yeah, I started crying because yeah, I did. think this book is so special. It's very special. It's very special. Um, Murder Falcon, blind buy it. It's from Image Comics. It will cost you $19.99 list price. You can get it cheaper than that. 
Uh, it's an essential book. Daniel Warren Johnson is an astonishing talent. Um, we're big fans of his. Besides Murder Falcon, he did the Old Man Skywalker bootleg yes. comic. So which, the best Star Wars thing to come out. Yes. In the past two years. Yes, correct. That's correct. not true. When did Last Jedi come? I mean, we loved Last Jedi two we years did. ago. Two years ago. Okay. Um, and he's currently uh, doing the Wonder Woman Dead Earth series for the Black Label DC Ew. Comics line. You haven't read haven't. the first issue I yet. I have. The issue is waiting for me. I read it last night. You know, it makes a good grab for best single comic of 2019. And I have a feeling we'll be talking about it next year when we do our best comics of 2020. Nice. So go get the first issue of Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Go get yourself a trade paperback of Murder Falcon. Prepare to have your mind and eyes rocked, but also your heart squished. Crushed. Oh, that is the perfect word. <laughs> your your uh, your eyeball glands will be juiced. Your eyeball glands will be juiced. Murder Falcon forever. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Are your Amazon carts a bursting? I hope so. Or maybe you read all this stuff already. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but also, you know, like we said at the start of this episode, tell us what we missed. Let us know what comics truly rocked your worlds and squished your hearts this year. I want to know. I want to read those comics. If you disagree with us, you may tell us, but don't hurt our fifis. Yes, yes. Uh, Lisa. Yes? Lisa. Yes? Next week, we're not coming back. We're going to take we're a break. We're not coming back? No, we're taking a break. Christmas is here. We're going to open up a bunch of presents. My birthday is nigh. Yep. We want to get back onto a regular recording schedule. So we're going to take a couple weeks to maybe record some episodes ahead of time. What? That's crazy. I think that's a good idea. We're going to come back, don't worry, in 2020. Uh, so our uh, New Year's resolution is to pre-record some apps. Yes. And... Try to not take weeks off at a time. Yes, deliver like, on a weekly basis. <laughs> like the comic books that we love. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to doomsday clock our audience. We don't want to Eric Powell off into the distance. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, we don't. No, so uh, we're not going to be back next week. We're coming back in January. But if you want to celebrate my birthday, it is the 27th. Yeah, happy birthday, Lisa. Thank you. I just bought you a really rad birthday gift. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I think you're going to love it. I'm stoked. So our next couple in January of 2020 is Rogue and Gambit. We're back with the X-Men, Lisa. Gambit! Gambit! Again, that is a inside joke between Lisa and I. Because Gambit! Of a YouTube it's what video. we say in bed. Gambit! <laughs> Don't touch me! Don't touch me! <laughs> uh, and we're going to start that episode, or that month of episodes, with the 90s X-Men run, X-Men number three, X-Men number eight, and X-Men number 24, all written by Chris Claremont. Uh, the first two illustrated by Jim Lee, and the issue 24 is illustrated by Andy Kubert. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. That is my childhood that we are returning to. Yay. Lisa, who is the relationship guru that we are going to be using to navigate Rogue and Gambit? Apple J on Twitter suggested John Gottman's 
seven principles for making a marriage work. And John Gottman is one of those doctors who seem to come up in every single one yeah. of the relationship books I read. He seems to be essential reading. Um, but for most of this, these issues, Rogue and Gambit are not married. Not they yet. are just dating. Yes. And John Gottman and his wife, Julie Schwartz Gottman, have a new book out, and it is called Eight... Dates, Essential Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. All right, awesome. I am super excited about this. You know, from what little teases we've done with Rogan Gambit on our social media feeds, lots of response, right? And, you know, our Swamp Thing episodes were really popular. Welcome, Swampies. But our most popular couple so far in the year of comic book couples counseling has been the ex-couple Scott and Jean. And I think we're going to gain a lot of listeners with Rogan Gambit. Well, I welcome them. Yeah. And I like, I just, I'm just really excited to revisit these issues. Uh, Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter and Instagram. You can email our podcast at cbccpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. I almost forgot of it because <laughs> I accidentally scrolled away from it on the script, but that's okay. Brad. Yes. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me on all social medias at mouthdork. Uh, there's a few days left of following our hashtag CBCC gift guide. We're recommending all kinds of great comics beyond just this episode. It's been a lot of fun saying like, you gotta read um, uh, Oh Josephine by Jason and Upturned Soul. And like, I just, I love spreading the love of comics and the hashtag CBCC gift guide has been so much fun. I'm gonna be so sad when it's all said and done. If you ended up buying something from our gift guide, yeah, take, take a picture yeah, with it. Yeah. Tag yeah, us in tag it. We us, wanna see. Us. Uh, and you know, hey, it's the holidays. I wish all of you happy holidays, uh, whatever your denomination. And, you know, we're just so thankful that you guys have joined us for this episode. And hopefully you'll continue to join us for other episodes. It warms our fires. It cockles our hearts. Uh, <laughs> that's a phrase. I like it. Cockle yeah. our hearts. Cockle our hearts uh, by committing to this podcast, by giving us a five-star iTunes review. Yes. Please do that. And until next time, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. I'm doing an audio test, an audio test, because I love audio testing. Ooh, I also like audio testing. I like to fry flat fast and loose without my cans on. Oh, oh, no cans. No cans. But you've got some sweet, sweet tea in your hand. Hot and brown. You like it hot and brown. I like it hot and brown. There's no sweetness in it, though, because I'm bitter. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month, we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. In this very special, non-denominational holiday week extravaganza, I, I came up with that portmanteau, and I can't say it, week extravaganza. Week extravaganza. We're going to celebrate some of the best. Who wrote this copy? You did. I did. And each month, we evaluate... <laughs> No, keep it going. Okay. And each month, we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. And this very special non-denominational holiday week scratch... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Week extravaganza. We're going to celebrate some of the best comics of 2019. <laughs> Had to offer. Okay, I guess we will start over. Now that's our sticker. 